0: Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of flyingfreenow.com and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 139 of the Flying Free Podcast. Today we have another listener question. So I like to just dive right in. So let's hear what her question is. Hi, um, my question is, can someone, a Christian in this situation with unhealed trauma uh, personally that they've experienced or something like complex PTSD, can that appear um, to mimic a personality disorder like narcissism, you know, or something related? And if so... Does that trauma create extenuating circumstances that would need to be addressed differently than when dealing with like, say a garden variety narcissist? Okay. I think uh, there are two ways to answer this question, depending on what's being asked. I think this person was asking that if someone, if someone who has abusive tendencies could be abusive because of having PTSD or CPTSD. But then it, she also wanted to know if PTSD or CPTSD can mimic personality disorders. And the answer to both of those questions is yes. Th- that's a short answer. <laughs> End of the podcast. Just kidding. All right, before I get into this, I think we should talk about what PTSD and CPTSD are, just in case there are any listeners who aren't sure what that is. And then, and then we can differentiate those from personality disorders. So PTSD stands for post-traumatic stress disorder, and it can occur when a person witnesses or personally experiences a terrifying or traumatic event, like a bad accident of some sort, um, a murder, a fire, an assault, something like that. We typically hear about PTSD when it comes to veterans of war who come back And they struggle with triggers that take their bodies right back to some of the traumatic experiences that they had in combat. And you've probably seen shows on, you know, Netflix and on TV uh, around this kind of uh, topic. Now, CPTSD stands for complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And according to Wikipedia, complex post-traumatic stress disorder, CPTSD, is thought to occur as a result of repetitive, prolonged trauma involving harm or abandonment by a caregiver or other interpersonal relationships that have an uneven power dynamic. CPTSD is associated with sexual, emotional, or physical abuse or neglect in childhood, as well as intimate partner violence. Victims of kidnapping and hostage situations can develop CPTSD. Indentured servants, victims of slavery, sweatshop workers, prisoners of war, victims of bullying, concentration camp survivors, and defectors of cults or cult-like organizations. Okay? Situations involving captivity or entrapment that's basically a situation that lacks a viable escape route for the victim, or if the victim perceives or believes that they can't get out, that can lead to complex post-traumatic stress disorder-like symptoms, which include prolonged feelings of terror, worthlessness, helplessness, and deformation of one's identity and sense of self. I love this definition because you can see just reading it how so many women coming out of patriarchal marriages are, why they have complex post-traumatic stress disorder. So let's look at that. Think about a patriarchal marriage. Complementarianism is often thought of as being um, kind of like a milder form of patriarchy. Now, this is relevant to my audience because my audience is made up of primarily women of faith coming out of, or who are still in the midst of, patriarchal or complementarian theology. Complementarians assign primary headship roles to men and support roles to women based on their interpretation of certain biblical passages. One of the precepts of complementarianism is that while women may assist in the decision-making process if the man wants her to, the ultimate authority for the decision is the male. By its very definition, there is an uneven power dynamic built into a complementarian or patriarchal system. And remember that an uneven power dynamic is one of the things that you see in a complex post-traumatic stress disorder, person who has been diagnosed with that, okay? Now, please note, there are many, many people who say that they are complementarian in their beliefs and they have perfectly fine marriages, but their marriages are functioning, practically speaking, as egalitarian marriages. And if you're wondering what in the world that is to be egalitarian is to believe in mutual submission of all people to one another in Christian relationships. And if that sounds familiar, it's because the Bible talks about that. So when you have an uneven power dynamic in a marriage, plus you've got emotional abuse and spiritual abuse, if the husband or the church are telling the woman that she's at fault for pointing out the abuse Or they're using God or the Bible to make, to uh, put her in a subjugated position. And then plus on top of all of that, you have the teaching that divorce is wrong. And that no matter what the authority or the husband does to her, that she is stuck in the marriage until she dies. All of that makes the perfect cocktail for complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Okay. Think about it. How is this scenario any different from a prisoner of war? a wife is being brainwashed with controlling propaganda. She's being held against her will and told that it's good for her. She's put in a place of subservience with all of her actions controlled by outsiders, by other people, or by her husband. She's told that her opinions are meaningless. Her experiences are rubbish. And then she is dehumanized and given no way out. So the woman of faith, who is in an emotionally and spiritually abusive marriage, has her freedom of thought, action, opinion, and choice completely stripped away. She's disrespected as a human being. She's viewed as less than simply because she doesn't have a specific type of sex organ. Many of you listening right now may have CPTSD symptoms. Here are some of them. Tell me if, well, don't tell me because you can't. This is a podcast, but think about it and tell yourself do I have these? Are these things I struggle with? Persistent anxiety and unrest, difficulty regulating your emotions, difficulty in remembering events surrounding abusive incidents. There were, there were times when I would get in altercations with my ex-husband and I would go up to my room and I would just be like numb. And um, I couldn't remember how the whole thing started or where it went or even how it ended. I literally couldn't even remember enough to write anything down. Um, reliving experiences, I call this looping over and over and over again because your brain is trying to solve the problem helplessness, paralysis of initiative, shame, guilt, self-blame, a sense of being different from the rest of the human race attributing total power to the perpetrator they seem more powerful than they really are um, becoming preoccupied with the relationship to the perpetrator. I remember like even in my former church, I kind of viewed them it was it's so weird now because I look back on it and I just think, Um, it was just a little church. I mean, it was kind of a big church in the twin cities, but I mean, just one of like bazillions of little churches all over the world. Why did I think that their opinion meant anything to to me or meant anything in the big scheme of things? Um, but that's kind of what, how it is when you're caught up in that and then being preoccupied with your relationship. If your focus is just, if you feel like you're always just trying to figure out your husband. And focused on his emotional well-being and his whether, or not, you know, what his moods are like and placating those moods and figuring out what he wants and what he doesn't want. Trying to keep the kids quiet or whatever to to make sure that he's always happy and still never making him happy and just constantly being preoccupied with that. That's a sign. Um, desire for revenge alternating with feelings of gratitude toward the perpetrator. So one night you're thinking, I wish he was dead. And another night you're thinking, I am so grateful for this person in my life. A sense of alliance with the perpetrator and relief when buying into his belief system, Um, rationalizing the abuse that you're getting. Repeated, desperate search for someone to rescue you, someone who will listen and validate your experiences, and this pervasive feeling that unless someone else believes you, it must not be true. A repeated failure to protect yourself, a loss of sustaining faith that borders on despair, and a disconnection that alternates with feelings of terror and confusion. And by the way, this list also came from Wikipedia and I just kind of tweaked it. <laughs> so you also experience physical health problems as a result of all of this emotional dysregulation as well. So here's some physical problems that you might have. Anxiety, depression, chronic fatigue syndrome, back and neck problems, chronic headaches, uh, vision problems, nerve twitches, insomnia, gastrointestinal issues, heart palpitations, panic attacks, asthma, stress, immune system breakdown, endocrine system breakdown, unbalanced hormones, brain fog. Those are just a few. Over a long period of time, a person with complex post-traumatic stress disorder, can break, their health can break down permanently. And this is why I continue to insist that emotional abuse is physical abuse. It is now CPTSD is situational. It's something that a person suffers with as a result of repeated trauma over a period of time. And with therapy, symptoms can subside and go away, even go away completely. And the person can go on to live a normal life. Personality disorders are different. They are not temporary or situational. A person with a personality disorder is going to grapple with symptoms for the rest of their lives. Now with treatment, they can learn skills to le- to manage their symptoms and even live fulfilling lives, but their symptoms are a result of a personality disorder, not a result of a situational experience. Now that said, I do believe that people can develop a personality disorder or do develop personality disorders if their genetics lean towards susceptibility of that. So like a genetic predisposition to developing a personality disorder in combination with early childhood trauma. But once that disorder that's in that, in your DNA, is tr- or not yours, but in the DNA of the person who has it, is triggered in the brain and body then it's something that becomes part of the makeup of that person and it's very difficult to override permanently. Here's the other interesting, uh, interesting thing to note that I learned back when I was um, going through my separation and divorce. I was diagnosed with complex post-traumatic stress disorder and I learned at the time that it actually symptoms of CPTSD overlap with some of the symptoms of borderline personality disorder. And the reason I found that out is because my husband, my ex-husband was saying that I had BPD. And I, and so I went and w- looked it up and I found out that there are symptoms that overlap. So according to the Optimum Performance Institute, um, it says there's also a large and intricate overlap In the symptoms experienced in both BPD or Borderline Personality Disorder and PTSD, some of these are increased anxiety, emotional arousal or dysregulation, suicidal thoughts and feelings, feelings of guilt, shame, or self-blame, or avoidance and numbing. Okay, and I just say that because I am not the only one that I've heard of that has been accused of BPD when you're trying to get out of a an abusive marriage, Um, and you have you actually have CPTSD. This is a thing, and I know many many women who have CPTSD who are accused of having BPD. So it's just kind of a thing. But I just want to give you hope. My CPTSD symptoms, I hardly have any of them anymore, and I and I, I. I, I don't have BPD and I, so there's hope for you. Okay. You don't, you, you aren't going to be in this place for the rest of your life. Now I've had women ask me, um, and I think this might be what this particular listener was asking. If my husband has a personality disorder, like BPD or narcissistic personality disorder, isn't that a mental illness He can't help it then if he's abusive. So shouldn't I stick by him in sickness and in health? And my answer to that is, it's your choice. This is your life and you get to choose. I'm not going to should you or shouldn't you because we don't do that to fellow adults. Now, you can stick by him if you want to. If it's killing you, then I would encourage you to see to recognize that there are two people in that scenario that need help. One of those two people does not want help and the other one does. One of those two people is not your responsibility and the other one is, and you get to decide which one you're going to save, but you can't save both. Not in this kind of situation. Many women, Christian women, have all the compassion in the world for the one who doesn't want help and who isn't her responsibility, namely her husband. But these same women will stand at the ready to throw the one who does want help and the one who is her responsibility, namely herself, under the bus. How does that make any sense at all? It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense, but what it does do is keeps one of the partners under bondage, herself. And it enables the other one to continue being oppressive without the natural consequences and accountability that would naturally come into his life as a result of his behaviors in the real world. Now check out Flying Free episode 129 um, for a great story about how this works. And to find that episode, you can either find it in the Apple Podcasts, your app there, or you can just go to flyingfreenow.com forward slash 129, and the episode is there. Is this content resonating with you? I've written a book for women of faith in destructive relationships called, Is It Me? Making Sense of Your Confusing Marriage?, A Christian Woman's Guide to Hidden Emotional and Spiritual Abuse. You can read reviews and find out more about my book on Amazon.com. It comes in paperback, Kindle, and Audible formats. I've also created a companion workbook for Is It Me, also available on Amazon. This workbook is like 11 power-packed therapy sessions to help you process through the important material you'll be learning from my book. These books are recommended by counselors and therapists all over the United States. I've also got a website specifically focused on helping women of faith find hope and healing. It's called flyingfreenow.com. I'll even give you the first chapter of my book and the first chapter of the companion workbook for free when you hop on my mailing list at the top of my website. Those two resources are gonna help you figure out if your relationship is normal or destructive. And now let's get back to our episode. Remember that we can love and support someone without exposing ourselves to their abuse. Jan Silvius, the author of Foolproofing Your Life, calls this feeding someone with a long handled spoon. I love that. Jesus himself didn't chase after people to save them. He threw them a lifeline, and if they didn't take it, they didn't take it. And lots of people walked away from Jesus and did not accept his invitation. But he still took responsibility for his own life in ministry, and he lived his life well. He also constrained himself to building into 12 people in a more focused way. Now, was he being picky or playing favorites or being unloving for doing that? No, he was just being human. I'm sorry, but human beings have limited time, resources, and energy to expend. He was modeling how to be like the creator under these kinds of limitations of our humanity. At the end of the day, it really doesn't matter why your partner is abusing you. He could be abusive because he's a narcissist. He could be abusive because he has borderline personality disorder or because he has PTSD. Maybe he was just raised to be a misogynist. Um, He could be abusive because he thinks God thinks it's okay, or because he's just a cranky man um, or because he's just a little entitled. You know what? I don't know. It doesn't matter why. What matters is what it's doing to you. You can get CPTSD from living with a personality disordered individual for a length of time. It can happen to anyone put in those circumstances. I don't care what your original personality is. I don't care what your strengths are, your intelligence level, your emotional intelligence, your skill set, your will to survive or problem solve, whatever. It can happen to anyone. Emotional and spiritual abuse is an epidemic in our religious circles that have misogynistic beliefs about women and sadly some versions of Christianity fall into that category. You guys, I don't ha- when I am trying to reach out to new people, I will run Facebook ads. All I do is put out a little ad that says, are you a Christian woman in a confusing and painful marriage? And do you know that 80% of the women who see that ad, and I will put that ad in front of women. For example, I'll say, put this ad in front of women who are listening to Christian contemporary, contemporary Christian music. That's all I'll say to Facebook and Facebook will do that. 80% of the women will, uh, that see that ad will sign up to get my um, free chapter of my book and workbook. Okay. Unbelievable. I'm in this class where they're teaching us how to do this, how to find our people that need to hear our message on Facebook. And they said they have never seen a percent, a high percentage like that. Like a high percentage that they see in other businesses is maybe 40% of people will do that. That's a super high, amazing percentage. My percentage is double that. What in the world does that tell you about Christian marriages? It's absolutely tragic. It's tragic. I should be able to put that ad out and get a low like if 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 the world was made sense, I would get a low number of Christian women who would click on that ad and say, "Yeah, that's me." And maybe a high number of people who don't don't believe in Jesus or don't you know follow any kind of religion, right? I mean, that's how you'd think it would be. But the reason why it is the way it is is because Christianity, many versions of Christianity and other religions that are misogynistic in their theology, they will naturally create marriages that are abusive. That's just the way it is. So, until Christians can stand up and be different from the rest of the world, we I will continue to get an 80% click on click and sign up rate on Facebook. And I, I just I think it's absolutely pathetic. All right. So what do we do about this? First of all, we educate ourselves. We read and we learn all that we can about this problem. We listen to ourselves for one thing. We listen to other survivors. We examine our own beliefs about women. And how they line up with how Jesus viewed women? We figure out why it is that we think that a body part, you guys, a body part for crying out loud, makes some people authority figures over other people. And then we figure out where our faith traditions have strayed from what the Bible teaches about humanity, both men and women. Number two, we speak the truth out loud, even if it makes people mad. People get a little bit upset about this. We learn to tolerate the disapproval of men in order to gain the approval of our Heavenly Father. We start to see people as being small. We love them, but they are small compared to God. We start seeing God as being big. Number three, if we are a survivor, we get help for ourselves. We don't wait around for a rescuer because I'm sorry, but no one's coming to rescue you. That is your responsibility. We grab hold of Jesus Christ and we learn and we grow strong, strong enough to break free if we want to. We get therapy. We don't get, we don't talk to a Bible counselor who knows nothing about emotional abuse but we talk to a trained therapist. There are many wonderful, beautiful Christians who are also counselors, but they are also ha- they're also licensed and they are educated in these areas. We don't just talk to someone who went through a Bible class and has read their Bible you know, to help us with this stuff. So we talk to a trained therapist who can diagnose us with CPTSD if we have it. Um, I had some EMDR therapy, and that's another proven therapy for sufferers of complex post traumatic stress disorder. We can find a community of women that know the unique dynamic of abuse, especially abu- emotional and spiritual abuse in the context of faith, such as the Flying Free support group that I developed a few, five years ago. And you can learn more about that at fl- joinflyingfree.com. Number four, we tell our stories. We empathize with abuse targets. We call a spade a spade. We get out of our legalistic prisons and we find hope and freedom through Jesus. Now, if you think that you may have complex post-traumatic stress disorder, you may benefit from my private Flying Free Community Support Group. We have a course inside of that group called Healing from CPTSD. And it goes into a deep dive into this subject. And we'd love to have you join us in learning the skills that you need to become spiritually strong and emotionally healthy again. My program is a beautiful program to take alongside of getting therapy from a licensed counselor who, who specializes in helping people heal from complex post-traumatic stress disorder. I have, so, there's so many women in my group who have actually come to my group because they've been referred by their counselor. And I encourage people in the group who are suffering in these profound ways to not just join my group and get the benefit of being in a support group, but also, and we do have a lot of training and stuff, but I really do think that you also need some, you also need to have therapy on the side to help yourself um, heal from that. There are two books that I would recommend for some more information on this whole thing. One is called The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. And the other one is called How He Gets Into Her Head by Don Hennessy. We actually have a book study of that also in the Flying Free program that you can take if you decide that you want to apply for that program and then you end up getting in. That is all I have for you for today. Thank you so much for asking that question. And you know what? We need some more questions. You guys go to uh, flyingfreenow.com forward slash. This episode is 139. So it would be forward slash 139. And there's a link in there in the show notes. There's also the transcript of this. There's a link in the show notes that will take you to a place where you can leave your question. You can record your question and leave it there. And then I will answer your question. I don't answer all of them, but I will. I answer most of them in an upcoming podcast. And I'd love to find out from you what is burning on your heart. So that's it. Thanks for listening. And until next time, fly free.